thank you, Father, for just your leading uh, through the Holy Spirit. And we just pray that you will continue to have your way, Lord. Let us give us ears to hear what you want to say today. Um, give us just those hearts, Lord, that we will just just pour everything out to you. Just realize who we are and worship you for who you are, Lord Jesus. Um, and speak to us today. Have your way, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning, guys. It's good to see all your lovely faces today. And, um, yeah, man, I just wanted to keep worshiping. Honestly, it was, it was, it was breakthrough in that worship. Um, oh, yeah, God is just so good. Why don't we just acapella really quick? So I lift my hands and I bring my Jesus is you. To the one thing true, Jesus is you. that flows that 
by your blood, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Just worship Him right now. That's what we need. 
This is who we are, guys. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Have your way, Holy Spirit. Yes, God. It's like we have to get comfortable in allowing the Holy Spirit to just do what he wants to do in his church. We have to get used to this. We have to come back to that place of knowing who we really are. And I know we've, we've been talking about it. Honestly, I'm not going to talk long because I, I really feel like we just need to worship. I feel like there's just a breakthrough here that it's almost like our hearts are being more saturated for the presence of God. And if we just allow him to take us to that place, we're going to see an incredible deliverance, an incredible breakthrough, an incredible revival here. Because the people need the presence of God and not our words or our delivery or what we can say or how we can say it. He needs to be we need to make ourselves available for him to just move through us. I mean, just the last couple of weeks, uh, I've talked to Anna about this. It's like, it, you know, they had the awards, Grammys, I think it was, and someone was up there just talking about how, you know, the positive talk, which is fine. And, and they got to a point where they said, you know, we're all inherently good and you know, everyone here is inherently good. The world is inherently good. And I don't have a problem with that when it comes from people who don't know Jesus. But the issue I had was the following day when I was listening to a Christian radio station and they were just talking and just idolizing and just praising this person for the words they were saying. And the one thing that this person said was like, yes, we all are inherently good. It's such a beautiful, beautiful words and beautiful sayings and just made us feel so good and just disturbed my spirit because it was like, wait a minute, what are we doing? Why are we saying these things? If we're all in here, and I'm not saying we don't have good in us. Obviously we see we can do good in the world and all that stuff like that's there. But if we're inherently good, then what was the point of Jesus even coming? Like, why are we looking over the fact that we are so not good because we needed a savior. We needed someone to come down and rescue us out of our trespasses and sins. As a matter of fact, it's in Corinthians that it says while we were in our trespasses, while we were in our sins, God sent his son to die for us. We had nothing to offer. And so we hear these things and we, we, we want to be the church, but we're missing the point of who the church is. Where's our identity? And it just brought me back to the point of we were talking about Paul. We've been talking about Paul and just how we've been carrying this message through of the vision and the vision of 
Jesus being the church. And I know we keep saying it, and we keep saying it. And even yesterday, I was like, God, I feel like we've said this before. But immediately, the scripture came when Paul was telling Timothy, keep reminding the people the same thing and keep ministering the same thing because when you do that, you become a good minister. You're putting the people in the position of knowing who they are. We need this constant reminder. And so it brought me back to the point when Paul had been through so much. And I mentioned it a few weeks ago, the things that Paul went through being in jail in Caesarea, and I won't go back over that, but he gets to the point after that where he's being led to Rome. He's still under arrest and, you know, shipwreck happens and his life I mean he's a shipwreck I mean like that doesn't happen every day imagine just being in the water and holding on and it's dark and you don't know what's going to happen and you know his his trust and his faith is in Christ and he gets to this point he's been through all of this anguish all of this agony all of this torture and and his life is completely inconvenient and he starts to write these letters like Ephesians and Colossians and Philippians and you can see the thread because he's talking about how he's been under arrest and how he's been in a place where it hasn't been convenient and yet he's lifting Christ up he's recognizing we need more of Jesus we're not inherently good and so he gets to the point where he's writing to Colossians and Quickly, I'll just read a couple things. Colossians chapter 1, verse 3, it starts, he says, we always thank God. Now, this is incredible. I've read Colossians quite a few times. And just reading it this past time, it could, it's like the Holy Spirit was just kind of unveiling the point. And maybe you guys have seen this. But for me, it was refreshing because it was like I was, I was reading the letter that he was writing to the church in Colossus, telling them, this is who you guys are. This, this right here, I'm going to tell you guys who you are as a body, as a church. It's exciting stuff, but it's, it's, it's confronting, it's sobering. But he's telling them, while he's in Rome under arrest, this is who you guys are. He says, we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, since we have, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints. Right there, it just dawned on me. It's like, it just came out like, wait a minute, this is how we should be known. This is our identity. Paul's writing because he's recognizing he's heard of their faith in Christ Jesus. It's not trying to fit in the society that we live in. It's not trying to get the approval or appease the people that we want to like us. We're not known by that. We're known by our faith in Christ Jesus. See, that is a person. It's not this new age feel where we just kind of put God on everything or we just kind of talk this positive talk and we, we look at each other and it's just like, oh, yeah, you know, you accept me for who I am. Yeah, Jesus accepts all of us for who we are, but he's the one that changes us. And it is our faith in him. Paul is saying this to this church. He's saying this to the Colossians. I'm writing because I've heard of your faith in Christ Jesus. And he continues, he said, and so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you. He's praying for the church, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. 
And that right there was like, wow. It kind of, for me, it was, it was like God was showing through Paul the purpose of the church in Colossus, the purpose of the Colossians. He's saying, we're praying for you that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will. Of his will. Not our own will, of his will. Because that's where our purpose is. Our purpose is found in his will. And we've gotten, I, I, I wholeheartedly believe, especially with this morning and what we're seeing, I mean, it's amazing things happening in the U.S. right now with a revival that looks incredible. And just listening to it, it's like, wow, God, you are doing something in your church. And I believe God is bringing us back to that place of knowing who we are in him. Not being people that are so swayed by what's around us and wanting, try, wanting to try and make everyone feel great emotionally, but no change happens in our identity and us understanding who we really are. We have to get back to the power that God has given us. And that comes with us knowing and understanding who we are and knowing his will, that we will be filled up with the knowledge of his will. For us, practically, that's really simple. And it's just opening the word of God and just reading about who we are in him and who he is in us. So as Paul is writing this, this is what he's saying. And it leads us to our purpose. When we know who we are, it leads us to our purpose as a church, and that is his will being filled up in us. Why? Well, verse 10 says, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. That's why we're here. We're here so he approves of us. We walk in a manner that is worthy to him. That takes the pressure off trying to be in a, in a position where we want everyone to like us or we want everyone to hear us or we want everyone to be okay with us. It takes the pressure off because if we're walking in a manner worthy to him, then we're being the church. And if we're being the church, that is what draws the hearts of the people that need him. And it keeps going. Being strengthened with all power. Keep it in context. This is Paul encouraging the church in Coloss. Being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. And when I read that, it was like, it, it, it just made sense that when we look at the power and when we, when we hear the word power, we may think of, oh, you know, I'm high ranking or I'm highly, you know, sought after. I, I hold all of this authority and I can do what I want. But here, when I read, read it, being strengthened with all power according to the glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. It's like we're being strengthened with all power so that the endurance of who God is can be shown in us. The endurance, the patience. When the world can see the endurance of the church, 
the patience of the church with joy, then something is happening. It's like, okay, this, this group of people has something that I really want. Not because they're distributing or displaying a power in an arrogant way. They're actually walking in humility. How do you know this? Because they're showing their endurance of what it looks like to hold on to the faith that we have in Christ Jesus. An enduring faith. Patience. Where things are not comfortable. For Paul right here, nothing is comfortable. Nothing is convenient. And yet he's telling them, this is how the power looks. So that your endurance and your patience with joy will be revealed. It's like that's, that, those are characteristics of the church. That's our DNA. That's who we are. And it continues, giving thanks to the Father. Who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light? He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. No one else qualified us but the father. So why are we so busy trying to appease the spirit of the world so that we will be light from a fleshly point of view? It is so much bigger than that. Like he is the one that's qualified us. While we were yet in our sins, Christ died for the ungodly. That was us. Whoo! That was us. It's nothing but the blood of Jesus. It is the Father who has qualified you. And when he, just to share in the inheritance of the saints in light, the inheritance, like think about that. It's nothing you worked for. When you think of it from a natural perspective, when you hear about generations, you know, old money, you know, quote unquote, old money, old money basically means it travels down from generation to generation to generation to generation to generation. So those who are born come into an inheritance, nothing they worked for, nothing that they performed for, and yet it is all given to them. It is authentically theirs. Why? Because they were born into it. We've been born again. Is that exciting or is it just me? I'm, I'm trying to hold myself together. This is the inheritance that we get to share with his people, with him, of the saints in light. He has trans, he has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. You're born again into that. That's your inheritance. Old money can do nothing with that. Think about it. And it's nothing we did. This is who we are. I'm just trying to talk to us about who we are as his people. This is what we have access to. He gave this to us in whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. 
So this whole inherently good talk, no, that is the deception of the enemy. Because we have to reconcile, we have to recognize that we were born into sin. And when we get that, when we get that, then that's when we can allow the Holy Spirit to change us and be born again. So the promise is that he qualified us. This is the promise to the church. This is Paul writing this. I mean, imagine writing these words, the excitement that is bubbling out of him because he gets to share in this with the saints of light. But then he continues because it's not just there. You need to know what your inheritance is. If you've been transferred into the kingdom of his dear son, you need to know who that is. So he's going to tell us because he tells the Colossians and he says, he is the image of the invisible God. The firstborn of all creation, for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. Woo! And through him to reconcile to him all things whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. That's whose kingdom we're in. If you're having a bad day, just open that verse and just read whose kingdom you're in. Just read that passage of scripture and it should guarantee a change in your spirit because that's whose kingdom you're in. The firstborn, all things belong to him there is nothing out of his control and he paid the cost for it he made peace by the blood of his cross his cross he brought us back to him wow because it's something we couldn't do why because we're not inherently good we don't have it all together. We need him. And then it really, it continues. Verse 21, and you, if you need, if you need the answer to being inherently good, this is what it says. And you who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds. If we're inherently good, then how is it that we're doing evil deeds? The point that I'm making here, guys, is that as the church, we have to say what the word says about us. Because if we don't, we give room to pride to open up in our hearts as if we did all of this or did any of it. And it separates us from the truth. It, it causes us to drift from the truth. So when we start saying sayings like inherently good and things like, oh, it's okay, it's all right, God, God will be okay with it, and all of these things, we remove ourselves from what the truth says about us. Because if we understand this, if you if you think about what Peter preached, 
He preached a heavy message when he preached the first sermon in Acts. It was heavy. He's telling them, you crucified. You did this. The same person you crucified has been resurrected. He's, he's gotten up. And he is both Lord and Savior. That is a heavy message. And what does it do? It cuts them to the heart. And the question they ask is not, how dare you preach this? They don't get defensive. They say, what must we do? And Peter doesn't say, oh, don't worry about it. I'm just saying these words. You're inherently good. It's okay. He says, no, you got to repent. Because I had to repent. Because we all have to repent. Because it is Jesus that has made the way for us. But when we come into it at inheritance, we recognize because of what he's done, I can now live and be transferred into the kingdom of his dear son. So it says, and you who were once alienated, hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach. That, that did it for me. Because I can't even, I can't present myself holy. I can't present myself blameless. I can't present myself above reproach. But because of what Jesus did, he not only did that, and it's not like he did what he did, which is the ultimate death. He took upon our sin and gave us his righteousness. But it's not just him doing that. He didn't end it there. Because I thought about it. For him to give everything he gave, he didn't say, okay, since I've done this, now you present yourself. He carried us and presents us holy and blameless. It is all through him and above reproach. This, this is really, really, really exciting because that is our way out. This is who we are as the church. But it's our position. And Paul continues. It doesn't stop there. He says, if indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel. That's it right there. Continuing in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel. We can't get away from this. We have to watch what we say. We have to watch our behavior. We have to watch what we're aligning ourselves to and who we are agreeing with. Because Paul here is telling the Colossians, hey guys, you have the greatest promise as the church, you carry this power, and in your DNA, you will show endurance. You will show patience, and it will be done in joy. You can't lose, but you have to position yourself, and you have to stay in a place where you're anchored. How are you anchored? You're anchored by staying in your faith, steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel you have heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, uh, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. So when we position ourselves, we allow God to actually place us in the body where he sees fit. 
Because Paul wasn't looking to be a minister. It wasn't like he said, hey, I'll put my hand up. I'll be an apostle to the Gentiles. I'll go through all of this stuff. I'll do it. But he surrendered his heart because he became obedient to the vision. And when he became obedient to the vision, it was the Holy Spirit putting him in the place of where he saw fit for Paul to be this minister, this apostle. To encourage the church. And that's the same for us. We must continue. So we have to position ourselves. And what does that mean? It just means surrendering to the word of God. It just means surrendering our hearts to the Holy Spirit. It just means prioritizing who Jesus is and what he wants out of my life. Because my purpose is to live according to his will. His will is my purpose. And I am known, my identity is known by my faith in Jesus Christ. I don't even have to try to figure out who I am. I already know it. Because my faith in Christ tells me who I am. How, how, how much simple is it if we can just walk in this journey and in this world, not even trying to figure out or trying to know, oh, I'm, I'm looking for my identity. I'm trying to search who I am. I'm trying to understand my purpose. It's quite simple with the word of God. It's quite simple. It may take a journey, but it's quite simple. The simplicity of it is my faith in Jesus Christ gives me my identity and if I fill myself with his knowledge of knowing his will, I'll know my purpose. And I will allow him to position me and place me in the body as he sees fit. You see how much humility it takes on our end to allow God to exalt us in a way that he wants to do it because it is about his body. So then in verse 24... This is where we get to that point where Paul says, now I rejoice in my sufferings. After telling you guys, this is who you are as the church. This is our source. This is who, whose kingdom we're actually in. Let me just give you a bit of a background of who he is. He is the ultimate. There's nothing that can touch him. He is the greatest. He is from the beginning to the end. He has the preeminence over everything. And if we stay in this place, then this is what it looks like. This is the victory. And so his testimony is, I rejoice in my suffering for your sake. And in my flesh, I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body. Paul has gotten to the point where he is so into what Jesus is doing in him that he is trying to fill up in his flesh the afflictions that that cost in Christ, the afflictions of what we've seen in Christ, he's trying to take that and put it in himself. He's seeing the gaps of where God needs to do more work in him. And he's allowing that to happen. That is sobering. And he's doing it for the sake of his body that is the church, which means he's doing it for the people of God of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known because it is him we proclaim warning everyone and teaching 
everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. That is the goal for all of us to be mature in Christ. This is who we are. It's sobering, it's confronting, but it's liberating, it's freeing. And when we walk in this promise, when we position ourselves to allow the Holy Spirit to place us in the body as he sees fit, when we come with humbled hearts and humbled minds, we give the world the chance to see who it is that leads us, who it is of the kingdom that we're in. We give the world a chance to see who Jesus really is. That is the goal. We become mature in all of the things that we have to face in life and all of the hiccups and the obstacles and the hindrances and the disappointments and the failures. We don't need to get any approval from those who don't know Christ. We actually need to recognize we walking worthy in a manner to the Lord. And if we have his approval, then we can give that to those who are lost. I mean, does a heart break enough for those who don't know Jesus? Does it break enough? Or are we still on a timetable where we have to do things according to our priorities and once that's done, then I have to move on to the next. Life is busy, but we're the church. We are the church. Let's be busy for the purpose of the will of our Father. Let's get so caught up in the knowledge of who he is in the word that we just can't get enough of what he's saying to us and what he's trying to speak through us. Because I really believe in what we're seeing and, and even this morning and the more, just me personally feeling like, okay, God, giving you more liberty of what you want to say and how you want to say it, it's just drawing us closer to him and as we draw closer to him, it just removes everything that isn't like him. So we can stand there and say, no, I'm not inherently good. I needed Christ. I needed a savior. I needed him. I needed his blood. Because it's nothing but the blood of Jesus. And that's the song, if we can get the worship team, let's just worship God with those Words. Let's think about what we're saying. Let's allow the Holy Spirit for the next few minutes to just speak to us about what he is trying to get us to bring to him and release to him. What is he trying to speak to us in our identity as the church? What is he waking us up to? I want a message like this to not so much emotionally move us to a place where it's like, oh man, that was just thriving. That was awesome. But I want it to resonate with our spirit that when we leave here, something in us is just nagging at us because the Holy Spirit is trying to bring us closer to him. What are we after? 
It's a challenging question. It's a very confronting one. What are we trying to accomplish? What is our goals? What are we ambitious for? What are we looking for? Because if we're the church, we should only be looking for one thing, the one thing that fills us up, the one thing that liberates us, the one thing that brings us to that place where we are fully confident of knowing who we are and why we're here. I can sense the Holy Spirit is tugging on hearts here. And he's going to get you to where he wants you to be. It's like a breaking happening. It's a breaking happening. Just let him do it. Let him do it. In every area, let him do it. There's reluctancy, there's hesitancy, but just give it to him. Trust him. Trust him. Because the revival that is coming in you as his church, as his people, is going to be such a breakthrough that none of us will be able to take credit for it. And that's exactly what he wants. That is exactly what we want as his people. Maybe it's been a performance thing. Maybe it's been something that you feel like there needs to be an effort that you need to put forward. There needs to be some type of, um, you know, work that you need to do. All the work is in surrendering. That's all the work. That's where the work is. It's submitting. It's, It's surrendering to him, to his will, to his presence. And as the presence of God comes over you, even through the week, just surrender to it. As you hear his spirit, as you hear his voice speaking to you, just surrender to it. As he's bringing up those things that he's trying to deal with, just surrender to it. Because it is nothing but the blood of Jesus. Let him bring you back to that place where he first introduced who he was to you. When you first met him, Let him bring you back to that place. Let him do it. Open it up. Open up yourself to him. Let him remind you of what it was like when he introduced himself to you, when he brought you out of the sin that you were in, when he brought you out of the evil deeds that you were part of, when he brought you into his kingdom and you were born again. Let him bring you back to that place because that is who you are. That is who we are. And a song this simple is so powerful because it says everything that we declare, that we proclaim, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Get ready in your heart for a move and a wave and a flood of the Holy Spirit to just move through you and his presence just overwhelm you. There's a breakthrough that is happening and that is about to happen in an incredible, incredible, incredible way. Yes, Lord. Father, I pray your benediction and I pray, Lord, as we continue to worship and I just pray the the end of the service, Lord, that you 
will lead us and that we will allow you to lead us in the way that you want to do it. I pray, Lord, that we will forget about every thing that we know when it comes to tradition, when it comes to religion, when it comes to how we should do things and just allow you to be in relationship and in love with us, Lord. Take those things that are in our hearts, Lord, that don't represent you and, and show us that we will give it to you and remind us of who we are, Lord, how we have been transferred into the kingdom of your son. That's who we are. Charge everyone here, Lord, that we will submit our souls, submit our minds, submit our hearts to you in the name of Jesus. And I pray, Lord, this week will be like no other week, Lord, that you will visit us, that you will speak to us, that you will show us in your word, give us references and verses in our hearts, that we will open the word and be completely blown by it because of what you're doing in us, Lord, and that it will bring us back here that it will bring us even to winter rain worship night at Paul and Emily's, Lord, that we will just feel a crave and a hunger to be there and worship you and praise you and just be in your presence. And that it will bring us back here, Lord, anticipating, anticipating what you want to do through us and in us. Revive us, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Stand of service. So keep worshiping, or you know, you are dismissed. There's no